You're listening to an Axe Church sermon. If you haven't heard of Axe Church before, we are a church in Camas, Washington. You can check us out at axecamas.org. You can see what we're about and what we're up to. We're glad you're listening today and hope you enjoy this sermon. This past week, I was in Hawaii. Yeah. I had never been to Hawaii before because my parents were stingy. Um, so I'd never been there before, but I got to go to Hawaii because uh, some very nice, very nice couple from the church invited my wife and I to go with them, and, and so they paid for the place where we stayed. It was, it was a really, really uh, good time. I mean, more people, they should tell people about this place. A lot of people would want to go there on vacation. It's pretty, pretty amazing, but um, here's my thing. I love the beach. I love sitting on the beach. I love snorkeling. Pretty much sitting, floating, those are things that I enjoy doing. There's not a lot of effort, um, and so it's a good way to take a vacation. My wife, however, Tiffany, is more active than that. She likes to go out and do things she likes to take. She's really into photography. She loves photography, and if you've been to Hawaii, you know that it's a place where you can do some really great photography. There's some really uh, wonderful things to take pictures of. And since she likes to do that, and because I'm an amazing husband, um, and also because whenever I take my shirt off when I was sitting on the beach, they kept trying to roll me <laughs> back in the water. Something about saving whales. Um, and I was a white whale, let me tell you that. A little better now, more red in this area. But, um, so since that was happening, I figured, okay, uh, we'll take a drive. We're going to go take a drive so Tiffany can take some photographs. And, and uh, we start driving. We go to a place called the Road to Hana. Okay, and this is a road to Hana. Um, and Hana is a place on the east side of Maui, and the road kind of goes along the north side. Some of you may have been there um, because your parents weren't stingy, and so you went to <laughs> Maui and you've been on the road to Hana. Um, it's kind of this bendy road, it takes a really long time. Uh, now, normally I'm not into these kinds of like scenic drives, but this time, I wasn't into it. I wasn't into it this time either, but, but I went. I took Tiffany, and, and this time something happened. Tiffany's on her phone as we're going down the road, looking at the different places that are worth stopping, and she tells me that we can stop at a place where there's a, an area where they had filmed a scene from the movie Jurassic Park. Now, I don't know uh, if you know this about me, but I love the movie Jurassic Park, and it's not just because Chris Pratt and I are basically identical twins, okay? <laughs> I, you guys are messing with my whole worldview right now. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not as good looking as me, but I mean, um, no, I, I actually, I love the first movie. I went to see it in the theater when it came out with my aunt. I got the VHS tape and I used to watch it all the time. I, I, I really loved that movie. And, and of course, anywhere where you are in Hawaii uh, looks like a scene from Jurassic Park, probably because they filmed it in Hawaii. That's my guess. I don't know. Um, but but this was supposed to be a place, an actual place, an actual setting where they had filmed the movie. And so I was actually very excited about that. I was very, I was, I was jacked up. I was stoked, um, wanted to go see this place. And so she tells me it's going to cost 15 bucks per person to go in there. I'm thinking, okay, 30 bucks to go see this, this place where they filmed the scene. I'm like, it's worth it. I'm on vacation. I'm willing to pay the 30 bucks to go drive into this place and check it out. Okay, I was like certain that we were going to see some velociraptors or something 
like that. Um, I, you know, there's something about that movie and T-Rexes eating lawyers, things like that, that just <laughs> gets you going, right? And, and so I'm figuring there's going to be velociraptors, there's going to be something. And I figured as long as there's other people there who are slower than me, I'm going to be okay. I've seen the movie. I know how that, that stuff works. You trip somebody or you make sure they're slower, you get away, okay? Um, anyway, I'm, I'm really jacked up. I'm excited, okay? Um, I'm ready. The lady at the gate comes up. We pay the 30 bucks. I'm like, Siri, play the theme from Jurassic Park. It's like, bum, 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 bum. You know how it goes. Um, and I'm listening to the music because that's how nerdy I am. And we go in there and we drive back up into this place because we're going to see this area this, where they filmed this scene. And of course, I know I'm going to recognize it because I've seen the movie a lot of times. And so we head through and we go and we park and we walk to the sign that says, here's where Jurassic Park, here's where this thing was filmed. And there's nothing there that I can see that looks like any of the scenes from the movie. First of all, no dinosaurs at all, which I was realistic about whether I would really see a dinosaur, but there were no dinosaurs. And then we see the sign basically tells us, look way out there, way out to where the ocean is, like miles and miles away, and there's a rock in the ocean. Show, show the slide that I have here. That was it. On the side that you can see that's green, where it's circled in red, there's a rock. It's the rock that you can see here in this five seconds of footage from the movie that the helicopter flies by. That was the 30 bucks of scenery <laughs> from Jurassic Park. It's not even the right side of the rock, right? In the movie, it's that side. I'm looking all, what is it? Oh, it's yeah, there's a rock down there. Yeah, that's from the movie. Oh, well, great. That's amazing. Amazing. So, pretty disappointing. Paid 30 bucks to see a rock. Could have sat on the beach and gone snorkeling for free. But hey, I'm not upset. I'm not upset. I was in Hawaii. Here's the thing, though. I actually believed, based on what they had said, that I was going to go to a place and see a place where there was a real place where they, where they filmed a real scene from Jurassic Park. I sincerely Believed it. I completely believed it. I paid my 30 bucks. I believed it. I'm listening to the song, the whole thing. I'm ready to go. I believed it sincerely, but I was wrong. Sometimes just because a belief is sincere doesn't mean that it's correct. It doesn't matter how sincerely we hold some beliefs, it doesn't mean it's true. Now, we're in a series for those of you who have been here for a while. As you were a part of the church, you know we're in a series called Dear Skeptic. This is actually the third time we've done a series of messages that are on uh, basically speaking to uh, believers and to skeptics, talking about the reasons for the things that we believe in. So we did one called Skeptics Forum back in 2016. We did one called Seeking Skeptics last year in 2017. This one's called Dear Skeptic. All of them can be found online at seekingskeptics.com. If you want to go watch the videos or whatever, you can go do that. We also have audio that comes out on their podcast channel. You can check that out on iTunes or whatever also. Um, if you want to go back, because we've, we've handled a lot of different topics, and they sort of build on each other. So it's worth going back and checking out. But here's why we do this. There's an article in the Washington Post that I read, actually a couple years old, but it's from an atheist named Elizabeth King. And she kind of goes through the story of how she became an atheist. And she's like, I grew up a Christian. I went to church, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards. I spoke in tongues. I did, you know, I did this. I was all into it. And then as I got older, I started asking questions. I asked my youth pastor questions. And they either didn't want to or wouldn't answer my, or couldn't answer my questions. And sometimes they just say something like, well, you just need to have more faith. 
and they wouldn't give any kind of an answer. And so what she describes is that as time went on, she just sort of believed less and less until she didn't believe at all. Now, I don't know if the things that she claims led her to atheism are in fact really the things that caused it. I don't know whether that's really how it works for you, but I can tell you this. Uh, we are serious about giving those answers and not leaving people in a position to say, I'm either afraid to ask those questions or someone's just going to tell me, just have more faith. You don't need to worry about it because we believe that we serve a God who's actually true and we're not afraid of evidence. We're not afraid of the truth, and so we want to walk through it, and that's why we do what we're doing now. If you're a believer, we do this to build you up so you understand the reasons for the things that you believe more and more strongly. If you're a skeptic, we want to invite you into life with Jesus Christ by understanding that it's the most reasonable way to live your life, that Jesus Christ truly is the way, the truth, and the life. And so um, we're serious about giving a reason for the hope that is within. In, in 1 Peter three fourteen through 16, it says, But even if you should suffer... For righteousness' sake, you are blessed. And do not be afraid of their threats, nor be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. We are called to answer tough questions. Believing in Jesus Christ takes faith, okay? It does. So does not believing in Jesus Christ. So does believing anything. It takes faith. Absolutely. Every belief requires faith. So the real question is, where does the evidence lead? What is the most reasonable? What is the most reasonable worldview? Did Jesus Christ rise from the dead? Is Jesus Christ the Son of God? Those are the questions that you have to answer. And as we're working through some of these questions, there's two that I want to deal with today. Two objections, two questions. One is a very familiar one in sort of our tolerant society, and it's this. Does it matter what you believe as long as you are sincere? Does it matter? Can you believe anything you want as long as you're sincere about that belief? The easy answer is, I would be 30 bucks richer if that was true. Okay? Sincerely believing something doesn't matter if the thing's not true. Okay? There's a longer answer, and we'll get into that in a minute. The second question is this. Is religion just a psychological crutch? Is it just a crutch? Is it just, uh, are we just following Jesus Christ because we're psychologically driven to, psychologically inclined to believe in Jesus Christ, or do we follow him because it's true, right? Do people believe in God because they can't handle life and the difficulties of life without thinking that there's a Father in heaven? There are those who would say that that's true. But let's start with the first question. Does it matter what you believe as long as you are sincere? Now, in most areas of life, this is kind of a silly question. Okay. Um, my wife is a high school math teacher, and she has to live with me, so pray for her. Um, but if somebody, if she gives a test, and students get some answers wrong, and they come to her desk, they say, Mrs. Robinson, here's the deal. I understand that you got the red marker out, you did your, your thing, but I sincerely believed that the answers I gave you were correct. She's going to tell them, you sincerely got a C-, minus, right? <laughs> because it doesn't matter how sincerely they believed that their answers were right, they were either the right answer to the question or they were the wrong answer to the question. It doesn't matter how sincerely they believed it, right? I can tell the officer that I sincerely believed that I was going 55, okay? I couldn't tell. I would never go 55. Um, I can't drive 55. Uh, but got a couple. All right. Um, 
right? But even if I said that, the officer's going to say, hey, listen, um, I have to tell you that my radar gun sincerely told me you were going 80. And so you're going to have to talk to the judge about which one of us is more sincere. Um, They don't care. They don't care about whether you're sincere or not. How many times have you seen one of these like singing shows, right? And they'll show the episode with like the people who are just, it's like strangling cats, right? And, And they go up and they're like, listen, my mom, I, I mean, I sincerely believe I'm the best because my mom, she's told me and everybody else, my child is the best singer that's ever lived in the world. And yet the person cannot sing at all. Mom sincerely believes that, that her daughter or her son is the best singer ever. The person sincerely believes that they're the best singer ever. But when the stuff comes out of their mouth, they're not. Doesn't matter how sincerely they believe it, they either can sing or they can't, right? It's just the fact. So normally in life, we don't even consider whether somebody believes something sincerely. We worry about whether the thing is true or whether the thing is false, okay? Sincerity of belief cannot change facts. Cannot change facts. Now, there are some things that fall in the category of sincere beliefs that you can believe and that no one can really question, okay? There are people who believe that eating mint ice cream tastes good rather than tastes like eating a bunch of cold menthol cigarettes, which is what it actually tastes like, right? There are people who believe that mint ice cream tastes good. And look, I wouldn't question that because they are talking about their own personal, subjective experience. They like mint ice cream. Okay, cool. You know, I don't. We can each say something opposite from each other, okay? And yet we can both be right because we're both only describing our own experience, And so we're not really saying something about the ice cream. We're saying something about ourselves, right? This is a much different thing than disagreeing about, say, whether mint ice cream exists. Whether mint ice cream exists is a fact. It's either true or it's not. And it doesn't matter what I think or what you think or how sincerely we think it. It just matters on whether mint ice cream exists. We're not talking about me now. I'm talking about something out there. So there are different kinds of beliefs someone can have. Objective beliefs, subjective beliefs. Okay, objective beliefs are those beliefs that are out there. They're about things that are out there. Subjective beliefs are things that are inside. You're just talking about your own personal taste, your personal experience. Okay, facts and truth versus tastes and experience. Now, we all have tastes. I like gold medal ribbon ice cream from Baskin Robbins. If you have not tried it, I highly recommend. If you have the means, picking some of that up. I like Jurassic Park. I think that Pastor Glenn Cook is a handsome guy. Okay, yeah. Some of you agree, some of you don't. His wife told me that she thinks so too, so that's good, okay? But I'm not saying that Glenn is objectively good looking because that would be talking about whether you think he's good looking or not, and I don't know. I I think you probably do, because Glenn's pretty cute. Um, (laughs) But objective facts, Objective facts and beliefs are different than subjective facts and beliefs. I can talk about my tastes all day long. But when I talk about what's objective, it really doesn't matter whether you believe them or not or whether I believe them or not. They're either true or they're not true. They're either true or they're not true. It doesn't matter how sincerely, how sincerely I believe them. Okay? For instance, water boils at sea level at 212 degrees Fahrenheit. It just does. I don't care what you believe. I don't care what I believe. It just is a fact. No matter how sincerely we believe it or not, two plus two equals four, whether you believe it or not. 
Okay? It is what it is. George Washington was a general in the late 1700s. Doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It just is a fact. It just is the truth. Now, what kind of belief, what type of belief is belief in God, is belief in Jesus Christ as God, is belief that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? Are those the types of beliefs like, do I think Glenn is cute, or do I think mint ice cream tastes good? Or are those more like beliefs like, does two plus two equal four, or was George Washington a general in the late 1700s? Which are they more like? Well, they're more like the second kind. They're objective, right? Whether Jesus is God, whether there is a God, whether Jesus Christ rose from the dead, whether you should follow him, those are either true or false. They have nothing to do with your opinions or your tastes. Well, I don't happen to like Jesus. Well, that's okay, but that has nothing to do with whether or not he's God. You can't change that based on your tastes, okay? There are statements, these are statements of objective truth, objective fact, and therefore they're true or untrue regardless of what you or I think. And no matter how sincerely we believe them. Now, additionally, and this is important, these statements cannot be reconciled with their opposites. Now, what do I mean by that? Let me, let me explain that. I mean that the statement, God exists, and the statement, God does not exist, cannot both be true at the same time and in the same way. Pretty simple, right? I mean, most of us understand that naturally. It's called the law of non-contradiction. This is actually a very basic, fundamental law of logic. The law of non-contradiction. Two opposite statements of fact cannot both be true in the same way at the same time. Law of non-contradiction. Okay? So, here's the thing. Because this is a hard and fast rule of logic, it does not matter whether I like it or not. It doesn't matter whether I like the rule or not. It just is. If you want to think, if you want to think clearly, if you want to reason, you have to understand the law of non-contradiction, and you have to live by it. So that means something. Now listen, this is important, because you're going to hear a lot of people say the opposite of this, but this is actually what's true, okay? I cannot say that Buddhism, which claims there is no God, or Christianity, which claims there is one true God, and Hinduism, which claims that there are all kinds of gods, or atheism, which claims that there is nothing beyond space and time in the universe. I cannot say that all of those are true in the same way at the same time. Cannot say it. They cannot say it. Why? Because these statements are all about facts, and they contradict each other. They contradict each other. They cannot, by the rules of logic and reasoning, all be true at the same time and in the same way. It cannot be. And it does not matter how sincerely you believe that all ways are correct at the same time. It cannot be true. Logic precludes it from being true. Okay? So for those who want to say, everybody's right. Everybody's got a piece of it. I'm sorry. But all these pieces completely contradict each other. This is a problem. This is a problem for those who want to say that all ways go, and you just need to sincerely believe something. Here's the thing. You can sincerely hold an untrue belief about God, and it does matter. It does matter that you're wrong about it, no matter how sincere you are about it. Okay? Because there have been people all over the world for 2,000 years who have been putting forth the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ the evidence that Jesus is God, the evidence that the Bible is true, and you can choose to sincerely reject those claims, that's fine. Do that if you want to. But it matters if you're wrong. It matters if you're wrong. Because to sincerely 
Hold the belief that Jesus Christ is not God means that you have sincerely rejected Jesus Christ, who said he was God. And that's a real thing. That's a real thing. And I know it's difficult. And I know that where people get real kind of worked up here is that Christianity is exclusive, right? It excludes all other worldviews. That's what it does, okay? Jesus said this, John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It doesn't seem like he's allowing a lot of, but, you know, whatever Oprah says also, right? That's not what he's saying. He's saying, look, there is a way. It is one way. It is one way. These are the facts. And logic demands that the facts about what's true must be this way, that something must be true. God proclaimed it. There are not many ways to heaven. There are not many roads to God. There is only one way. And there is only one way that truly makes sense if you walk through the evidence. That's why we do this. It's a guy named Rabbi Shmuley Botich. He's the executive director of the Oxford Lachaim Society in Louisville, Louisville, Kentucky. You have to say Louisville if you live in the South. He says this about the exclusive claims of Christ, okay? Christ saying that he's the only way. This is what this rabbi says. I am absolutely against any religion that says that one faith is superior to another. I don't see how that is anything different than spiritual racism. It's a way of saying that we are closer to God than you, and that's what leads to hatred. Now, that's a pretty um, significant statement. Let me say a couple things about it. First of all, Believing that Jesus is the only way does not bring about hate. It actually brings about love. It actually brings about love. We should love people enough to, because we know that there's only one way to want to see people know the truth and have saving faith on Jesus Christ and be renewed and redeemed and clean and transformed. That's what we want. It's actually love. Hatred for people is not, is not the result of believing that Jesus is the only way. People may hate each other, but it's not because of that. That's not why. Secondly, all claims, every religious claim, and every claim period is exclusive. You can't get away from it, okay? All claims are exclusive. All fact claims are exclusive by their nature. Even the claim that all religions are true and none of them are wrong is actually exclusive. It's saying that everybody else, which is almost everybody, who believes that their way is correct and other ways are wrong, all of them are wrong in order for the person to say everybody's right and nobody's wrong is right. You'll have to work that one out. It's all exclusive. It's all exclusive. There is no such thing as a truth claim that is not exclusive because of the law of non-contradiction. Because two things that contradict each other cannot be right in the same way at the same time. Okay? You cannot make a truth claim and have a contradicting truth claim be true at the same time. All religions are contradictory. All worldviews are contradictory. But every single religion, every single person who says, we know the way to God, is, is contradicting everybody else. They contradict each other in what they say about God. They contradict each other in whether they believe there is a God. They contradict each other in what they say about people and who we are and what that has to do with. They contradict each other about history. They contradict each other about Jesus. 
They say different things about who Jesus is. They contradict each other about whether there's a heaven or a hell. They contradict each other about salvation. They don't really say much that's the same. No matter that everyone wants to say, well, they're all basically the same. No, they're not. That is the most ignorant statement. Go study world religions, okay? And you will see that they are not the same. Not even close. Not even close. They contradict each other about about everything. About here's the thing. Here's really really interesting. One thing on which every other one of them basically agrees actually goes against and completely contradicts Christianity. And that is the idea that you get to heaven or salvation or nirvana or whatever it is, you get those places by the things that you do. That's dependent on you. Basically, every religion, basically every worldview says it's about you. It's about what you can do. You've got to live that good life. You've got to do those things. You've got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You've got to, you've got to make it happen. You've got to be righteous. And that will earn you whatever you get in the next life or in this life or whatever it is. And Christianity and Jesus Christ actually comes against that claim and completely 100% contradicts it, turns it upside in his head and says, you could never do it. Stop trying. You could never do it. Instead, Christianity depends 100% on Christ and 0% on you. 0% on you, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. That the forgiveness and the grace that exists in Christianity is a 100% contradiction to basically every other worldview and religion. They cannot all be right at the same time. And Jesus Christ for sure is saying, nope, this is the only way that's right. You cannot come in and say, I was relying on myself, no matter how sincerely you believe that, and be right with God. You can't do it. It's not through your good works that you're saved, and it's not through your bad works that you're condemned in that way. Okay? It's either you've accepted Jesus Christ or you're under judgment. The whole message of the gospel is that it does not depend on you at all. That's the good news. That's why it's called the gospel. The good news. The good news is that it all depends on God. Jesus Christ did the work. Jesus Christ paid the price. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace, that's unmerited favor. You did not earn it. Grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works lest anyone should boast. This is the message of Jesus Christ to the world, and it is completely contradicted by basically every other worldview. Jesus turned all the religions and all the ideas of the world on their head. You can't do it. You could never do it. And it doesn't matter how sincerely you hold your belief. If you're wrong, you're wrong. So, then you've got to ask yourself the question in this day and age, so are Christians intolerant? Are Christians intolerant? Well, that depends on what you mean. Christians are actually very tolerant legally and socially. What I mean by that is Christians, there's a guy who kind of worked through different types of tolerance, legal tolerance, social tolerance, and intellectual tolerance. Legally and socially, Christians are very tolerant. It means we want the laws to exist so that everybody can believe whatever they want. We think it's important that everyone has the ability to make up their own mind Everybody gets to say, this is what we believe is true, bring all the ideas in, and then you get to come in, you get to decide what you believe. We think the law should protect you in that. We also socially think that you're made in the image and likeness of God and that Jesus loves you. And so we, we ought to treat you as we would want to be treated. 
right? And so in social life, if you disagree with us, that's okay with us. We're still going to be nice to you. We're still going to be kind to you. We want to talk with you. We want to listen to you. That's the Christian worldview. It's very tolerant, but it is not intellectually tolerant. Christians do not believe that different ideas that say contradictory things can both be true at the same time. We don't believe that because it's not true. And it doesn't matter how nice it is or how nice it makes you feel or how tolerant it makes you feel, it's just simply not true. And we're not going to live in a fantasy world just to make people happy. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. So we're tolerant. You can believe what you want. We'll protect your legal right to do that. You're tolerant. We're tolerant. You can believe what you want. Socially, I'll hang out with you, even though you believe different things than me. But I will not pretend like we're both equally right about what we think. Because that's just nonsense. Literally nonsense. It makes no sense. And so I don't believe we are intolerant in any way that's important. I think we ought to treat everyone with respect. But I don't believe that just because I respect you that I have to equally believe or equally value every opinion that you have. Okay? No one who's being logical and reasonable can properly believe that conflicting or contradicting ideas can both be true at the same time. And if you go back and you read the story of the church the beginning of the church in Acts, what you will not find is intolerance. You will not find the church coercing people to believe in the gospel. That may have happened at different times in history, but that was a people thing, not a Bible thing, not a Jesus thing, not a God thing. And you can see that from the very beginning. From the very beginning, we just want to put the ideas out there. We just want to proclaim what we believe is true and give you the opportunity to believe it or not believe it. Weigh the evidence. We're going to lay it out. We're going to lay out the evidence that Jesus is God, that he rose from the dead. You weigh it, you decide. But we're not going to pretend like there are no consequences for untrue belief. I'm sorry, I'm not going to pretend, because I love you too much, I'm not going to pretend like there are no consequences for you holding beliefs that are untrue. Because there are consequences. No matter what those beliefs are, there are always consequences for holding beliefs that are untrue. Now, it depends on the particular belief, how serious that consequence is. If you don't believe that, G- that George Washington was a general in the late 1700s, probably the worst thing that's going to happen to you is you might get a few points off on your U.S. history quiz, Right? Not know what a quarter is. I don't know, right? I think he's on the dollar bill too. I don't know. Probably nothing that big. Probably not a big deal. However, let's say that you believe there's no such thing as gravity. That's going to have a little bit bigger consequences the first time you try to float. <laughs> right? If you believe there's no such thing as right or wrong, that's going to have pretty big consequences as you harm yourself constantly and harm other people constantly in living your life. And if you believe that you can get to heaven or nirvana or the next thing or whatever by yourself on your own merit because of the good things that you do and that there's not going to be any judgment after death, that can have eternal consequences, the most serious kind. That's why we're so serious about this. Listen, it doesn't matter what feels good to you. It matters what's true. It doesn't matter whether you sincerely believe something. It matters if what you believe is true. That's what matters. Because we love you. We want you to know the truth. We want your sincere beliefs to be true beliefs. So that you can know the love and grace and forgiveness and truth of Jesus Christ. That's what we want. 
As Americans, as people, we love options, right? That's how this whole thing comes about. This whole, like, every, every way gets you there. We love options. The Golden Corral buffet. You're already laughing. Good. This is a whole comedy thing I'm about to do. So, um, no. The Golden Corral buffet opened up in Vancouver recently, okay? We've had, I lived in Tennessee and Virginia. They had Golden Corrals there, so not that big of a deal to me. But here, it was kind of like, ooh, all kinds of different stuff, right? And so for however long, there were literally lines outside the door, outside the place. Still are, I'm hearing. Still are lines, right? You're going to get in line to go eat at Golden Corral. I've never seen so many people line up for heartburn, right? <laughs> get me some of that. I'll get some. You know, I mean, I, I, I understand that eating food, just putting it on your plate from, you know, a hundred of your closest neighbors and people from wherever that have been breathing on it. I know that that's fun. I get it. I understand that when you go to the chocolate fountain, there's nothing like seeing that kid that you just saw picking his nose, <laughs> taking that marshmallow, sticking it into the fountain, right? Eating it, sticking something else back in the fountain. It's not magic. It's the same chocolate keeps going back in there, guys. Gosh, don't get me started on the Golden Corral. All right. We like options, though. Where's everyone going for lunch, right? All right. See you at the corral. I just don't want you guys to go there so the line will be shorter. That was the whole reason I did that whole thing. <sighs> we like our options. We like our options, right? We want to buffet religion. That's what we want to do. Little chocolate fountain over here. Little whatever potatoes over here. And then let's put that cheese stuff. You know what I'm talking about. All over the whole thing. Am I the only one who does that? All right, fine. That's what we want, right? We can't, we can't deal with the difficulty and the exclusiveness of Christianity is the truth. And so we kind of buffet our way to religion because we like options, we want to make our own gods, our own little religion, right? A little Christianity here, a little Eastern spirituality over there, maybe a little hot yoga. They got those comfortable pants, right? You know what I'm saying? Some health and wealth, self-help books, a little discovery channel. Boom, I've got a religion. Makes me feel great. I can live with this. We don't want to believe that we live in a world where there's nothing bigger than ourselves. We want to believe that, that there's a God and so on and so forth, but we don't want to deal with the duty that comes with that, right? We want to buffet our way to a religion, one with a higher power but no obligation. That's what we want, right? C.S. Lewis called this kind of uh, religion creative evolution or life force religion. This is, what he's, this is one thing that he says. One reason why many people find creative evolution so attractive is that it gives one much of the emotional comfort of believing in God and none of the less pleasant consequences. When you are feeling fit and the sun is shining and you do not want to believe that the whole universe is a mere mechanical dance of atoms, it is nice to be able to think of this great mysterious force rolling on through the centuries and carrying you on its crest. If, on the other hand, you want to do something rather shabby, the life force, being only a blind force with no morals and no mind, will never interfere with you like that troublesome God we learned about when we were children. The life force is a sort of tame God. You can switch it on when you want, but it will not bother you. All the thrills of religion and none of the cost. Is the life force the greatest achievement of wishful thinking the world has yet seen? Listen, we have to think it through. We cannot ignore our duty to be serious about seeking truth. Sincerely held beliefs that are untrue 
sincerely held beliefs that are untrue will not cut it. They just won't cut it. A lot of people say, I just want to be a sincere person that tries to be a good person, quote unquote, right? I just want to be, I'm just trying to be a good person when it's convenient, right? That's not going to get you to the truth. Only Jesus Christ will. And that fact is not any more intolerant than any other fact. And it's true. And it's true. What about the second question we talked about? Isn't Christianity just a psychological crutch? Isn't it just a psychological crutch? Here's what Sigmund Freud said about religious ideas. Religious ideas, which are given out as teachings, are not precipitates of experience or end results thinking. I don't know if he talked like this. I'm doing my best, okay? They are illusions. Ah, he's German, I think, so I'm, I don't have a German accent. Um, fulfillments of the oldest, strongest, and most urgent wishes of mankind. Their wish fulfillments. The secret of their strength lies in the strength of those wishes. As we already know, the terrifying impression of helplessness in childhood aroused the need for protection, for protection through love, which was provided by the Father. And the recognition that this helplessness lasts throughout life made it necessary to cling to the existence of a father, but this time a more powerful one. Thus, the benevolent rule of a divine providence allays our fear of the dangers of life. The establishment of a moral world order ensures the fulfillment of the demands of justice, which have so often remained unfulfilled in human civilization. And the prolongation of, early, of earthly existence in a future life provides the local and temporal framework in which these wish fulfillments shall take place. Basically, Sigmund Freud thinks that if you believe in God, you do so because you are psychologically predisposed to believe in God. Because you need a psychological crutch to deal with the difficulties of this world. You believe in God as a wish fulfillment. That's what he says. Now, is this true? Always the first question we need to ask around here. Is it true what he says? Well, I don't know. What about Hinduism or Buddhism or atheism like Freud? Are there psychological reasons for everything we believe? It would seem that he thinks so. Then, if so, should we trust anything that we believe? I wonder if Freud thought that atheism had the same problem, that it was some sort of psychological wish fulfillment. I mean, what wish fulfillment itch does atheism scratch? Well, let's look at it. Thomas Nagel, an atheist philosopher, I think he taught at NYU for years, says this, I want atheism to be true. And I'm made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope that there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. At least he's honest. If we want a crutch, if we want wish fulfillment... Why not simply just believe that everything we do is okay? That would be more of a wish fulfillment, it seems like. What kind of a crutch is it to follow Christ in China or Iran or Iraq or Afghanistan or North Korea? What kind of a crutch? How is it helping you out to follow Christ and have a death sentence? Seems like a pretty bad crutch. Why can't we just believe what the new spirituality people believe or what the atheists believe, that there is no right or wrong. We can do whatever we want. Why wouldn't that be more of a crutch? Why wouldn't that help allay my fears better? 
if we really want to wish fulfillment, why Jesus? Why would these first century Jews make up a suffering servant Christ instead of a Roman conquering, butt-kicking Messiah? If they were fulfilling wishes, let's be honest, which one did they need more at that time? The one where he's a suffering servant and then we suffer and are persecuted by, as we follow him and then we get to die. Or let's make up one where he comes and kicks all the Romans' butts and we're rich. Not a tough thing to figure out which one is a wish fulfillment. Jesus Christ does not say, take up your crutch. He says, take up your cross and follow me. Luke 9.23, then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That means die daily to yourself. That doesn't sound much like a crutch to me. People don't believe in Jesus Christ primarily because he makes them feel good. People believe in Jesus Christ because he is the truth. Belief in unicorns makes me feel good. It does. Doesn't make you feel good? Just think about a unicorn. Tell me you don't feel good. Okay? But I don't believe in unicorns. You know why? Because the evidence isn't there. Unfortunately, because it doesn't make me feel good to think about them. But Jesus Christ... When I think about Jesus Christ, I do believe because the evidence is there, right? There are all kinds of things that could make me feel good to believe them, but I don't just believe them because it would make me feel good. I believe things that are true because the evidence says that they're true, okay? If I wanted to make up a wish fulfillment religion, I would not make one up that said I was, had a wicked heart and needed salvation. I would not make one up that said that it was exclusive, that only those who follow Jesus Christ would go to heaven because I want to be popular. I'd rather just everybody liked me. And so I'd say, oh no, whatever you believe, it's all cool. I'd rather have that. If I'm fulfilling wishes, why wouldn't I want all sin to be okay, or at least all my sin to be okay, right? That's what wish fulfillment looks like. My crutch, apparently, my crutch, quote unquote, is that I'm supposed to be everyone's servant, that I'm supposed to be willing to die for my friends, for my wife, for my family, that I should expect persecution. That's not a crutch. That's a life of following Christ. It is false ideas and perversions of the Bible that smell like wish fulfillment. Not true biblical Christianity. Belief in Jesus Christ means that we believe that all people are made in God's image and his likeness and that we should love our neighbor as ourself. I want to love my own self. That's what I want. So if I was fulfilling wishes, I wouldn't have a wish that said I had to treat everyone, love them like myself. I'm sorry, I just wouldn't. No offense. Why would I create a crutch like following Jesus? Why choose the difficult? Why give our time? Why give our money? Why give our energy? Why wouldn't I just say, listen, I'll tell you what. I'm just going to believe I'm smarter than everybody. I'm just going to believe that uh, you know, I, I can do whatever I want and that basically everything's okay and that there's no one really watching out and there's nothing that I have to do and I don't have to give any money and whatever. Why wouldn't I just believe that? Why wouldn't I believe that if I want to fulfill my wishes? <laughs> Wish fulfillment? Come on. We're not even smart enough. We're not even smart enough to fulfill our wishes with the truth of Scripture. It is way more complicated and amazing and we could have ever come up with as some sort of wish fulfillment. But for the atheist, who's their God? Who's the God of the atheist? Is it not himself or herself? When they deny God and that there is no God, that means they answer to no one except who? Himself, herself, 
Now, if something sounds like wish fulfillment, that sounds like wish fulfillment. But be careful what you wish for, because in my experience, y'all make terrible gods. But here's the deal. I'm actually not saying that. I'm not saying the atheists believe that because it's wish fulfillment. I don't believe that. I also don't believe, you know, that I, I don't think that Freud believe what Freud believed because he was psychologically driven to believe it. I don't believe that atheists believe what they believe because of wish fulfillment, but I also don't believe Christians believe what they believe because of wish fulfillment. And if they do, you know, they'll say, oh, it's your culture. You grew up in this Christian culture, so that's why you believe what you believe, right? It's wish fulfillment. It's psychological. It's your culture. It's all these things. Of course, they all apply equally to everyone, whether you're a Christian, whether you're an atheist, because now our culture is becoming more and more and more atheist. So do people only believe in atheism because that's now the culture? If you're young, that's the culture, right? No. Or because your parents told you to? Look, my parents told me not to take wooden nickels. They told me that two plus two equaled four, and they were right about that. So just because your parents told you something doesn't mean it's wrong. So if you got Christianity from your parents, doesn't mean that you have to throw it away because it came from your parents. That actually might be a good source for some things. Maybe, depending on who your parents are, whether they take you to Hawaii. <laughs> Listen, all of these psychological predisposition all of this kind of crutch stuff, all of whatever, it applies equally to you if you're an atheist, if you're a Christian, if you're a Buddhist, if you're a Muslim, they all apply. What they really are doing is they're attacking not the actual facts, but the reason that you believe them. And that's just bad logic. It doesn't matter if I believe something for this reason, this reason, or this reason. What matters is, is the thing true? That's what matters. This is all, all of this all of this is just a way to kind of say, look over here. It's sleight of hand. I'm asking about real questions, real truth. Is Jesus God? Did he rise from the dead? Can he save you? Those are the questions that you should care about. Not, do some Christians believe this because their parents told them to? Probably. Do some atheists believe what they believe because their parents told them to? Probably. Are some people not really thinking about it at all? Probably. Are some people floating through life? Probably. What does it have to do with what's true? We care about what is true. And here's the deal. You know, I'll make it real easy for you. I don't just need a crutch. I need a new body, a new spirit. <laughs> I'm a lot more broken than having a bad foot. I need a lot more than a crutch. And anyone who tells themselves that they don't is lying to themselves. We're broken. We're wicked. We've done wrong. And God has offered us a way out of that. We feel guilty and we're afraid. That's the, that's the state of human beings. That's a fact. And it's wisdom to feel that way. It's wisdom, not wish fulfillment. Here's the thing. We are guilty. We are guilty. We should be afraid unless, unless the gospel. Unless the gospel. That is why the gospel means and is good news. It's good news because we can be innocent, clean, washed, sanctified, justified in Jesus Christ. Because if what he has done for us in dying and rising from the dead and defeating hell and death, we can be saved. That's an amazing thing. Ignoring the fact that you need to be saved is not an amazing thing. That's, no matter how sincerely you try to ignore it. An amazing thing is accepting the fact that you need to be saved and recognizing the glorious truth that you can be saved. I don't just need a crutch. I need to be made new. I need to be made new completely. I need a renewed spirit, a renewed mind. I need all of it. 
I need all of it. That's the truth. But I didn't make up Jesus for that reason. He's the one who found me. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. Don't get yourself sideways over the idea that everything can be true. And just believe what you believe sincerely, and you're going to be all right. How could God be mad at you for having a sincere belief? Well, he can be mad at you for having a sincere belief because he's given you a mind that's able to find the true belief. And you refuse to do that because you pick a sincere belief that you just like better. That's sin too. Don't believe that. Don't get locked up in Christianity is a crutch or psychological phenomenon. Every thought is a psychological phenomenon. Okay? That's what a thought is. That has nothing to do with whether it's true or untrue. That's what you should care about. If you're a skeptic, that's what you need to care about. If you're a Christian, that's what you need to hold on to with everything. We serve a mighty God. If you don't know him, if you're a skeptic, if you're working through it, listen. We're here to do that with you, to walk through that with you. We want to see you know Jesus. Be made right with him. We want to see you renewed. We want you to see you have what we have. But you've got to ask the right questions. And you can't walk through and say, well, I'm being really sincere about this other belief, and so God won't get mad at me. It's got nothing to do with God getting mad at you. You're either right or you're wrong. Time to analyze that. You might find Jesus, which would be pretty amazing. Has been for me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for all that you've done, Lord, this week. Thank you for giving my wife and I a vacation and letting us come back refreshed. Lord, I thank you for this family that we get to come back to, this church, believers who love you, Lord. God, you're just so good and you're so true. And I just pray that those who are struggling, walking through, trying to, trying to decide, are you real? Are you there? Is Christianity true, Lord? I pray you would show them the evidence. And most importantly, Lord, no one comes by evidence alone, but by faith. And faith comes through hearing the word of God. And the power of hearing the word of God is in your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would draw people to yourself. More and more that we would see people come to you, that their lives would change, that they would live in you. They're not going to be perfect, Lord. But in you, they can be, because you'll make us new. Thank you for your forgiveness and your love and that you're always there for us and that we can rely on you. Help us not to take advantage of your grace, but thank you for it. Lord, be with us. Be with us, Lord. We pray you be with those who, who need you in our body. I pray that you'd make us your hands and feet this week, that we would reach out to those who need you and they would show your love to them. Lord, I pray that we would, we would live as true Christ followers, not just believing that you exist, which is important, but living it out. It's nice to know that you're true and that the evidence leads there, but it's a lot nicer to live the life that we find in you, Jesus Christ. And pray that in your name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our sermon. Again, this has been a sermon from Acts Church in Camas, Washington. We hope you enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. If you did, you can subscribe to our channel as well as liking and commenting. We love to hear how these sermons are impacting you. 
You can also take a look at our podcast series that we have out. And we'll catch you again next week.